Hi, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. Each week, I ask my guests what they do differently that sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick, and what makes them so successful. In this episode, I talked with our very own team here at Rainmaker Thinking, our dream team, the best team I've ever had in 27 years of business, Kim Math, Liz Richards, and Cheryl Wolanski. Welcome to The Indispensables. I'm Bruce Tolgan, and today I get the privilege and pleasure of welcoming our Rainmaker Thinking team, the best Rainmaker Thinking team we've ever had, to the show. Um, it was uh, uh, Liz Richards, our producer, director, creative director. It was her idea to welcome the team for our 50th episode. Uh, so I want to welcome the team. Uh, to my immediate right is Cheryl Wolanski, uh, the best uh, office manager and executive assistant we've ever had here in 27 years. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Kim Math, across the table from me, our chief operating officer, by far the best chief operating officer we've ever had. Uh, Kim, welcome. Thank you. There's no place I'd rather be. To my immediate left is uh, our creative director and the producer and director of the podcast, Liz Richards. We call her Lightning Girl because she does everything so fast. Um, And uh, Liz has been with us for seven years. Lucky seven. Yeah, lucky seven indeed. So welcome, everybody. Thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, I think this is a great way to celebrate the 50th episode. Um, And what I always say to everybody when I welcome them to the show is tell us your story. Uh, Cheryl, uh, how did you get here? Super executive summary. How did you get to where you are? How did you get to be the centered person who is able to uh, bring so much order and discipline to our ranks? So I came here three years ago. It it was a transition um, sort of in my life. And I spent almost 20 years um, working with little kids. You know, I was uh, director of a couple of schools with little kids, religious schools and playgroups. And I decided I needed something a little different. It was great. And it was such a learning experience. But then, you know, my kids got bigger and I decided I needed a little more, a little more, um, something more interesting, something more challenging. So um, I kind of started looking, um, what, you know, what can I do? And I quickly realized that you can't just jump into something new. Realistically, it's going to take time. You have to get your feet wet. You have to um, find places, businesses that will help you grow. And that was frankly kind of hard at the beginning. So for a few years, I, I did find some things I really enjoyed, uh, different offices, um, mostly small offices. And then I met Kim, who I have known uh, for a while, but we haven't really seen each other for a while. And uh, so she introduced me to Rainmaker Thinking and you, and that's how I got to be here. Uh, it's been three years, and uh, thank you for everything that you do. Uh, can't tell you how uh, much I feel like we've lucked out in having you here. Um, it's been an experience. It's not just a job. No. It's an adventure. It is. It has been. But it's a, it's a great, 
it's a, such a, a fun mix of uh, challenge and, uh, and, and I feel very supported as well as working with an amazing group of people. So I, it's, it's my pleasure to be here. Uh, how about you, Kim? How, how did you get to be here? I started my professional life as a middle school teacher, and then I spent five years in public accounting. And I figure if you can spend uh, three years with uh, eighth and ninth graders and five years doing busy season, you can accomplish just about anything. <laughs> and so, so uh, in case it's lost on anyone, Kim Math was a math teacher. That I was. <laughs> so the kids would say, where are you going? To math, where? With Mrs. Math. And then six years ago, we found you. Yeah, I, um, I spent time at home as well with my kids. I have three kids. And um, then it was time for me to get back into the workplace. And so I was trying to put some of my accounting skills to use. And I was just working with a couple of, of clients. And um, somebody from Rainmaker Thinking found me. And... Uh, I really wasn't planning on going back to work full-time. I needed flexibility to be with my kids. And I tell this story all the time, by the way, um, because at the time they were like 7, 10, and 12 or something. And uh, Bruce can be very persuasive uh, when he wants something. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you've listened to any of Bruce's programs or read his content you know that he says uh, flexibility is one of the keys of a strong manager. And that was one of the things you, you said. That's, I can give you the most of that. And you were 100% true to your word. And uh, I feel very fortunate to have been here. And it's, it's definitely been a shift in thinking from either curriculum within a classroom or uh, CPA. I get to do a little bit of both. But um, there are other factors that I never imagined myself tackling, and I've enjoyed those challenges. I've never been involved in sales, you know, and I like having that relationship with our clients, I've discovered. I like developing that partnership and working with them and helping them figure out what it is they need and how we can bring it to them. And uh, I've, I've never had really any HR experience before, but I wear the HR hat around here and Learning about that, but also figuring out what we need to do to make it work. I, I've enjoyed that as well. I would say um, uh, Kim has such a diversity of tasks and responsibilities, but so does Cheryl and so does Liz. So to Kim's point, uh, I always say the number one thing I have to offer is flexibility. And I hope each of you feels like that's true. I think that this could be uh, one of the most flexible workplaces there, there is. I mean, when... Uh, uh, especially when it comes to scheduling, but uh, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, I figure like the thing I can do is offer tremendous flexibility. Uh, but I will say in return, each of you has been incredibly flexible uh, because I'm always having an idea, or sometimes you'll have an idea, and then I'll be like, "Oh, great! Well, good. Then can you do that?" <laughs> um, and um, each of you has been incredibly flexible in taking on a whole range of tasks and responsibilities. Um, Liz has been here the longest. She's the youngest by far. Uh, please Thanks. forgive me. <laughs> well, she, I she, think she, this interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cheryl's walking out right now. But she, she is the youngest of us by far, and uh, but but she's also been here the longest. And Liz, uh, in some ways, uh, uh, has the burden of um, being a content partner with me because. Uh, uh, now, especially after seven years, you know the content so well and you've worked with the content so much. It's possible sometimes when people see an article, they wouldn't even be able to tell if it was written by me or by Liz. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Liz, how did you get here? Uh, well, I graduated from New York University in 2014 uh, with a BFA in acting and quickly decided I wasn't going to make any use of that at all <laughs> and moved with my then boyfriend, now husband, to New Haven where he introduced me to you because you were longtime family friends and uh, you knew that I needed a job and you gave me a job and so I've shown up and pretended to know what I was doing for seven years. <laughs> seven years. Yeah. She does a really good job. And, and, and she's the dean of the delegation and you have uh, mastered our website uh, and our tremendous uh, email list and our social media and our... Uh, Pretty much all things technical. All Anything, things technical, yeah. content, podcast. Uh, the podcast now, episode number 50. Of the indispensables, we finally did it, um, and uh, and so um, well, you you are uh, came here uh, and first started uh, your acting career acting uh, as a uh, media person here, <laughs> but you're a good example of somebody who has uh, learned on the job and developed these skills and uh, applied your wit and critical thinking and made it your own. Yeah, well, you know, I think that acting school prepared me to sort of take on the personalities and identities of other people. So to the extent that I'm able to copy you, I think that that's been helpful. Uh, and yeah, it's just turned out that over a series of circumstances over the years, I've been in charge of, you know, taking on a lot of responsibilities, different kinds, and then passing them on to other people, taking on new things. The so the job is changing all the time. Yeah, and that's been true for everybody. I was going to say, I think we can say that pretty much about each of our roles. Yeah. Yeah, so if uh, Cheryl, you know, uh, for uh, couple, the first couple of years you were here, you were getting me from point A to point B, mm -hmm. you know, as I'm somebody who travels 100 plus days a year, and uh, that requires a huge amount of logistics. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, with year. the pandemic, it ground to a halt. I haven't been anywhere. Uh, so your job uh, was reinvented overnight. It's true. But that took some time also. You know, we all were feeling our way through last year, right? I mean, things, it just, you know, like that, things changed. And we needed to adapt and evolve and grow into new roles. It, yeah. was, it was a year. We had to change basically the entire business. And accommodate all of us now working from home and working in the office some of the time and coordinating as a team. But I think we really managed to do that. And like you said earlier, just continue to support one another through all of it. Because I know that, you know, you and I, Cheryl, worked together a lot through last year mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, you took on a lot of handling logistics of press and scheduling and things like that. And that was uh, hugely beneficial to me. 
Yeah, and it became, right, instead of scheduling, um, you know, going to an airport, going to Timbuktu, and then coming back from Timbuktu and going uh, somewhere else, uh, it was scheduling Zoom meetings, scheduling telephone calls, scheduling webinars. Right. Uh, Other and, podcasts. And then the podcast, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting into a routine with the uh, recruiting podcast guests and trying to figure out how to explain to our clients that we're still here and trying to deliver content uh, from right here. We're, you can't see us, but we're in, in a studio, which uh, last March, uh, 14 months ago, Kim said, hey, maybe we should put in a TV studio. <laughs> and here we are. And then Kim went from being uh, uh, chief cook and bottle washer to being also camera person and uh, learning to operate this whole TV studio. I learned about equipment I never knew existed before. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been interesting. It's been interesting to watch how we've all developed uh, as we've adapted to the situation and found a way to make ourselves relevant and valuable uh, to the organization to ensure that we continue to thrive. And uh, I think we've I think we've navigated it pretty well. We're all still here today and uh, we're starting to book travel again, but we're going to continue using the things that we've developed as well. So it's not like it was, okay, that's over. It's, it, you know, our thinking has evolved as to, okay, now we've developed these skills. How else are we going to be able to use them? Yeah, and we've gone from, you know, I used to to think that I had to go into an organization and spend time there to do a proper assessment, to lurk around in the in the, in the cafeteria, uh, to be sitting in the lobby and see when people show up and follow people into their office before my scheduled meetings. And those were some of my secret weapons. Uh, and to realize that now I can do an assessment from right here or that I have to be on stage to be uh, uproariously funny, whereas uh, it turns out uh, I can at least try to do that remotely. But, you know, we've learned a huge amount. And at the beginning of the pandemic, we had to try to keep up our structured communication. We were doing Zoom uh, meetings even though we have this small office, everyone was working from home because we were trying to be COVID safe. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to, to get everyone to chime in about, about that journey that we've gone on for the last year. And then I think just how has the journey been? Uh, and uh, from the beginning of the pandemic where we were all pretty worried about, gosh, uh, we sell hot air to auditoriums full of people. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, to, wow, we're on the other side of that, and now we have a dog. Well, for me, I think there was a lot of scrambling at the beginning to kind of figure out, you know, we knew things had to change, and it was a matter of deciding how and who was going to do what and, you know, figuring out all of these new, not just technologies, but also, like, new processes for doing things and figuring out how to deliver them and then monetize them and just, you know, that was a huge transition. But once we got there, I feel like we kind of got in a pretty good rhythm of executing on that stuff. And now that we're back together in sort of this hybrid situation of partly in the office, partly from home, I think we've just continued to expand on all of that stuff. So I don't know. It feels like it's been kind of a growth opportunity for us and the business. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it's it's like, I hate to say this, 
but the necessity of it has forced a lot of really positive change for us. I have to say for me, one of the things that I've enjoyed, and it's kind of hard to use that word when you think about the past year, but in the exploring of new technologies we undertook using Zoom, uh, not just with each other, but with our clients. And prior to that experience, my own interaction with them had been either via email or a telephone call. And I feel like you connect more being able to see each other's faces. Mm -hmm. And I really think we've benefited from that, being able to almost be in the same room, even though we're, we're far away from that experience. So that's one of the things I've enjoyed. I mean, yes, we've had the technical issues and things like that, but I really, I really have gotten a lot out of that experience. And to Liz's point, I think we've learned how to do, uh, make our communication more effective and efficient as well, because we've, the pandemic has shifted the focus and helped us understand how important that is. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. We have meetings with clients all the time now where we see them before we see them or, right, or you right. know, uh, we've seen them on Zoom and I've never even seen them in person. Usually I'm the only one who sees mm-hmm. them in person. So I just want to say that I agree with both of your points, all of your points. I think for me this last year, you know, it was a mix of trying to navigate professionally as well as personally, because here you are home with your family, you know, and all of a sudden every, you know, the kids are home and, and, and they're, they're home from college and they're doing their, you know, their classes online and the spouse is home and everybody, you know, for a while we had our father-in-law was out, was at our house. You know, I ne- personally never worked from home before. As a teacher, you know, you don't often have that, that chance. So it was that, that was a whole new learning experience uh, for me. And, you know, wondering about when is this going to be over or, or is this going to be over? And what's, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you don't know what's, you don't know what's going to happen next. Um, so it was a kind of a unnerving, um, unsettling feeling. And the other point I wanted to make from last year, I don't want us to forget that it was, uh, you know, your, your book came out. And for, um, for us promoting your new book in the middle of a pandemic, uh, first of all, I've never been involved in promoting a, a new book ever. And um, so that was, that was a thing. I mean, that was a huge deal. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to, you know, how, how will we do that effectively? And, and can we? But I, I think we managed and, and, you know, we continue to promote, obviously, but that was fascinating how, how that all went down. Yeah. And it was scary because typically uh, a book comes out. I go out and give a whole bunch of speeches and do media interviews. We send books out, even just sending books out to people. We, we, we normally would send them to send 100 books to an office and they'd be distributed. Nobody was at the office. Uh, we had to get you. Uh, Cheryl had to go get there and, and, and Kim and uh, the team, but we, we had to go get their addresses and figure out uh, how to send them books. Hey, do you want a book? You know, if so, where are you? 
We sent a lot of books. We sent a lot of books. And frankly, uh, there was concern about whether we would be able to bring in enough money to keep the business going. Um, and amazingly, here we are. Uh, we've managed to keep the business going and uh, we got busier and busier and busier. Uh, and even though we were bringing in uh, less uh, money per engagement, um, you know, people don't know or not everyone knows the office is right next door to my house. So instead of traveling all over creation, I come next door and, and do programs from here, which is super convenient, but not as lucrative. Uh, and it also, I can say for myself, it's just been challenging. You know, I'm, 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 I'm like a vaudeville performer. I like to be in person with people. It's harder to talk to a camera than it is to talk to an audience. Um, and, uh, you know, we've experimented with different things, reading from a teleprompter, you know, and I say, well, you can't tell I'm reading, right? And Liz would say, yeah, you can tell you're reading. And, um, <laughs> but of course, she's a trained actor. And uh, so, uh, and we were all worried about our health and the health of our families. And uh, uh, we forget how scary it was. Uh, and I think, you know, let's not forget how scary it was for everybody. People, you know, the uncertainty was so much of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to touch on that point you made, Cheryl, about navigating things professionally, but also personally. And I think that like one of the strengths of this team in particular was, or at least I felt that I was more aware of how I could be helpful to everyone else in their jobs and like how to make the burden less for everyone else. And it made me aware of how everybody else was doing that for me. You know, when the pressure's on, I think we really stepped up for each other and that hasn't stopped. That's always been a thing, you know, but the pandemic really highlighted that. Yeah, I think that's really true. And uh, I mean, I honestly went, you know, so it would be easy for me, uh, I've been doing this for 27 years to say to every team, uh, hey, this is the best team I've ever had. And I tend to be a really positive guy. So, uh, but this really, I cannot imagine uh, a better team. And oh, you were serious about that? <laughs> darn serious. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And it's, you know, I think there, it's partly because we all kind of uh, are, are very flexible with each other and, um, and we're accommodating of each other and supportive of each other and uh, it's a really valuable thing and it's great to see that here in the workplace and I too often let myself off the hook when it comes to the fundamentals of leadership you know I live next door the team is here or they're home everybody I know the one thing I deliver on is flexibility in terms of structured communication we certainly communicate a lot but I think I probably fail some of my own tests of uh, structured communication. Well, at a certain point, I remember last year, I was like, I think we need to start having a weekly Zoom meeting, all of us. And that was how that started. That was, that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, structured dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, it's funny because I tell people when you fail on structured communication as a leader... Um, you just got to bounce back and start doing it. It's pretty good cadence of communication, I think. <laughs> yeah. We've gotten into a, a place where it seems like we're all, we each have our own style, right? Right. And we're, yeah, I think we're jelly really well. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to customize uh, your structured dialogue uh, at every level with every person, and I do think we do that. I think I think one of the things that kind of sticks out with me, um, you know, you often say during uh, some of your discussions about the art of being indispensable at work, uh, practice being the person you want to be, and that's a lesson I. I learned a long time ago when I was uh, in charge of a dorm in college. You know, you talk about respecting others, no matter what role they play in an organization, respect their contributions. And I remember I was in charge of a dorm. The college had a physical plant, so we had people, crews that would come and do work that we needed to have done. And, and I remember watching some of the other people who were in charge, and they just, they did not treat people well. And I learned a lesson from watching that because these people were just as hard workers and, and had something equally valuable to contribute. And I think for our team here, we all recognize that we all bring special skills and contribute in unique ways that are so important to our organization. And that fact that we all make that that we have that realization really facilitates the work that we do together. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Rainmaker thinking and how we function as a team. I've said multiple times this is uh, the best team I've ever had. Kim, uh, you, uh, I think, have told me many times that you value the opportunity to take on new responsibilities to do something new, to learn something new. Um, and I will say uh, you have been very game, basically whatever has come up. So um, we had another team member who was in a role of doing essentially sales interface with people, trying to take in client information and assess their needs and match up their needs with our ability to add value. And when he got his uh, PhD and moved on to his next chapter. Um, you stepped up and took took on that responsibility. When we uh, went into the pandemic and we had to put in a TV studio, you took on the responsibility of buying the equipment and getting it installed and learning how to use it. You're always willing to raise your hand and, and learn something new. Is that something you've always done? Is that? I think yes. I think when I make a commitment, I value both the commitment to myself and the commitment to other people. And I don't like to let myself down and I don't like to let other people down. I usually have viewed my jobs as more than just a job. They're kind of an extension of myself, I guess. So I approach it with the perspective that stuff needs to get done. It doesn't necessarily matter who does it or a person's skill set as long as somebody's willing to try and tackle new things. I mean, we all have our limitations and we need to know what our limitations are and we need to know when we can reach out and ask for help or turn to an expert uh, if, if we're struggling with something. But I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to develop ourselves and, and learn new things and take on new things as long as what you're doing is not uh, taking two steps backwards, you know, one step forward, two step backwards. So, yeah, I think that has been in my approach for a very long time uh, as far as 
is how I approach uh, just life in general. And, and I, don't, I don't even like to call it a job because to me a job sounds too almost temporary maybe. So, uh, so you think of a job of work, but originally, at least as best we can tell, uh, the word job uh, was originally a pile of uh, animal feces to be cleaned up in the barn. Well, then I'm glad I don't like to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the first job, huh? Yeah, it was a job of work. Yeah. Was, uh, you had to, uh, yes, that is, according to William Bridges, uh, and his, his reference goes back uh, further as well. So I believe that's accurate. Wow. And you could almost think of a job as like a unit. Yeah, I mean, in Work This Way, which uh, is only in print and Korean now, I believe, uh, the <laughs> book that I published in 1998, uh, or, I mean, Hyperion published, by a book I wrote back in the olden days, uh, I believe there is a, um, um, a, uh, an infographic in there that uh, a job was a pile of shit. <laughs> Great. Yeah, nice. but I learned that from William Bridges. Um, so yeah, uh, I was sorry. Uh, okay. I'm that, playing the producer now. That may get, that may get cut out. Uh, so um, oh, that's it. So uh, note to self: keep the shit talk in the podcast. <laughs> um, so normally I don't curse in public, although I think in that case it was uh, a term of art. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I, would, I was going to say a follow-up to Kim. Uh, so we recently had to do a program in Australia. It was at ten o'clock at night. Uh, Which is way past my bedtime here. Um, and yeah, there was sort of, uh, while Kim did sort of uh, wrestle with how she was going to do that personally, uh, there was never a question about whether or not she was going to do it. And uh, so I really appreciate that. Nice. And uh, in particular, I was a little sleepy too. So I think the important thing for me, you know, I started to say that um, I don't like the term job. And I think what's important for me is keeping keeping the vision of the organization in mind as opposed to each individual task. Because when you keep the vision in focus, it feels a lot easier to say, yeah, I'll try that, you know, because you, you want to get to that vision, right? As opposed to, it's too easy to say it's not my job, you know, or somebody else is going to do this. But if you keep the vision in mind, I think that's important. Well, that's powerful. And that, you know, I think one of the things is, um, about this team uh, that I really value uh, in terms of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts is when I have my own doubts, you all give me a lot of confidence. I know that um, I know that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah, so Cheryl, so, so you have this incredible way of showing up with a very consistent presence. And I, I often say, you know, feelings are on the inside, attitudes on the outside. Uh, you are a tremendous illustration of that. Uh, that um, I, you know, you 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 are obviously human. Everyone has feelings, but you show up with such a consistent presence uh, day after day, and and you have this, um, I think, very realistic approach to service. Um, I can always tell if you are uh, dubious about a prospect. Mm-hmm. an idea that I might have or something that might be presented to you. Um, but you are very calm, cool, and collected about it and uh, no less uh, certain. How is that? How do you do that? How do you show up so consistent every day and uh, the way you treat people? 
I think attitude is everything. I think probably it started working with kids for so long. Attitude, your attitude about something totally affects their attitude about something. And being consistent with kids and being patient is key. And just bringing that smile, even though you may not be totally feeling it that day, is a good start. I think you need to be true to yourself and genuine, but I do think if you're trying and if you're feeling like you can do it, then you can do it. And for a lot of years, I was doing jobs, jobs <laughs> that, um, that I made, that I enjoyed and things I really enjoyed and things came naturally to me. And working with kids was, was natural. And I knew how to do that. And bringing up my own kids, I, I, got, I got it. And then I started doing other things that I wasn't as confident in myself about. And I realized that sometimes you just have to, you just have to do it and see what happens. I think opening yourself up to new things is so important. Even if you feel like, there's no way I can do that. I can't do that. I think you have to try. When you talk to people who are not quite as positive or having a hard day, um, if you just say, you know what? So today wasn't a great day. Let's move on. We can't just keep looking back. We have to move forward. Every day is a new day. Yeah, I mean, I will say that uh, because you uh, interface with um, our clients, with the media, with our vendors, with pretty much everyone, and then... We were on the other side on the, you know, uh, Kim and Liz and I uh, are on the other side and probably on the other side, I'm the one you have to deal with the most. I know that from experience that other people uh, have found me <laughs> to be um, irritating, and especially people who have to deal with my schedule and my travel. Sometimes I change my mind about things. You do uh, change your mind a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Confirmed. Um, and, uh, but you uh, are the person who shows the least amount of irritation of anyone <laughs> who's ever been in that position. Uh, it could be that uh, it's just because feelings are on the inside. I know, Cheryl does a very good job of striking that balance between being authentic and professional. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, but you uh, you are extremely uh, forgiving in that way, or um, you're uh, you just consistent. Um, and Liz, uh, you uh, have had to be probably the mind reader, uh, but um, you uh, have learned my content so well that uh, it's we have a lot of shortcuts in our communication. It's often the case I'll be having a conversation with Kim and she'll be like, well, we'll start to puzzle through something. And I'll say, I bet Liz will just do this. And it's almost always the case. And then I'll set my timer and uh, <laughs> just I don't actually set a timer, but it's amazing how quickly, unbelievably fast. Yeah. You turn those things around. Uh, but what's your secret sauce for? I know that you. So Liz, for people in the audience who don't know this. Uh, Liz is a circus performer and uh, currently directing a circus show uh, based on the Donner Party experience. Yes, you heard that right. And I, so I know that you know you've 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 been part of Rainmaker Thinking for seven years, but I know that uh, you have other 
interests and yet you managed to bring a huge amount of creative energy to this enterprise. How do you do that? I think that there's a big myth about creativity being something that's kind of elusive and um, unpredictable and that inspiration will just strike you at any time. But that's not really true. I mean, if you're looking at any actor or artist, they're, you know, they're working consistently all the time, you know, harder than even I would like to work, which is why I didn't eventually pursue it. But you have to be, um, you have to get your creativity from a consistent source and make it a consistent practice. And so for me, I think a lot of my life is spent seeking out new, you know, sources of creativity, new inspiration. And when it comes to this work, it's almost like a puzzle. For me, it's like a series of patterns. So I know, like you said, I know the content really well. So I can look at any given situation and say, okay, well, we need something that fits this need. I know that we have that. We can put the puzzle pieces together and come up with something, a final result. Yeah, and I know, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think a lot of people look for, are looking for their passion. Like, I got to find my passion. Uh, and I often will say to people who are looking for their passion, well, you're going to have to try some things and see once you get to know about it, do you like it? it? Maybe you become passionate about it. Or, you know, people are looking to work in their, I think the biggest myth about working smart is that you have to find your area of passion and strength. And the reality is that, okay, yes, you need some amount of natural ability, but what you really need is some experience, some technique, and some motivation uh, to make this your own thing and, and, and learn how to do it right. And, um, you know, you're a great example in our business of uh, uh, using repeatable solutions and taking them apart and putting them back together. and Yeah, that's definitely, I don't like to reinvent the wheel at all. <laughs> I mean, that's sometimes my weakness because it makes me adverse to learning new things and like failing a little bit and doing that. But I mean, going through the process of directing this circus show has forced me to confront that in a big way. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I always think it's worth making the work easier for yourself if you can. And there are often a lot of ways to do that. <laughs> yeah, and reinventing the wheel is actually false innovation because somebody already invented the wheel, <laughs> right? And uh, so, okay, you got a wheel, maybe you can make a little bit of a better wheel, but that's iterative innovation and that's how most innovation really happens. Um, so a lot of what I talk about on this uh, podcast with people is people's approach to building influence with others. Um, you know, my view of influence is that it's not something you use on other people, but it's something that starts to accrue. It's your reputation. It's how other people feel about you and that it's a long game and that influence is something that takes time. Uh, because yes, you act one moment at a time. You say things, you do things one moment at a time. You have to make choices one moment at a time. Ultimately, how we show up in relationships, how we interact with other people, um, that's how we're known by other people. And I think each of you, in your own way, lives that. One of the things I would say that, that, that this group has in common is a tremendous amount of personal integrity. I think each one of you, your integrity is important to you. 
and it's and you're purposeful about your integrity and uh and i think you live it in different ways you know and uh, each of you challenges me in different ways and challenge uh so i see it you know in in our work i see it in how you show up but i think that's true of each of you uh has a real fundamental integrity in how you show up and how you interact with people what do you think about that that's extremely accurate just for myself when you said integrity absolutely that is that's huge to me and another thing i think i thought of this year is you know people talk a lot about it this year but it's just gratitude and uh and being kind i think that maybe you got a little lost and the pandemic kind of inspired people to think a little more about gratitude a little more about how they're treating other people and I know that for me, I will take that part of, of, of the pandemic and, and move it forward in the rest of my life. Being kind and, and feeling gratitude, that's, it's really, really important. Yeah, it's, uh, and you and I have had plenty of interactions where, uh, so I'll tell one story where there was a young fellow who kept showing up wanting to sweep the walk or wanting to clean up and, um, and, and you know, our impulse was sure we wanted to let him do that because obviously this kid needed some work. Um, but then he was asking for more money and he was being deceptive. And, and then I lost my temper with him and I felt horrible about it. Um, and that's, it's just a tiny story, but it's an example of, um, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. Um, and, and, uh, I thought you, struck such a great balance because uh well what you said to me is well nobody likes to be taken advantage of don't be so hard on yourself you were trying to help this kid out um but it was just it was a moment of personal angst for me uh i hate to lose my temper with anyone i don't lose my temper very often and you sort of talked me off the ledge <laughs> but i thought you reflected understanding and kindness toward that person but also toward me and i really appreciated that mm -hmm. so thank you in that previous discussion, you made the comment about how uh, we as a team are willing to challenge you or push you a little bit when necessary. And I just want to say, and you know, there's probably people out there listening that feel the same way. That's not always an easy thing to do, at least not for me. That's something that I've had to learn over the years, not just that it's okay to do it, but how to do it, um, and why to do it, and when to do it. Uh, and that's, that's a tough thing to get comfortable with as, as an employee, as a leader who has a leader. You want to do the right thing. You, you, you want to make things better. You want to contribute. And at the same time, there's no getting away from the fact that you're the boss. Yeah, it's hard to challenge your boss. Very. <laughs> Do you really find that? <laughs> I, I think in our particular relationship, because we're also friends outside of the office, that helps. But we also have a huge amount of respect for one another. I am a very boundary aware person. That's what gives me the confidence to push back when I feel that maybe you're projecting some like anxiety or insecurity about something or maybe I'm doing that. So that, I, that's my perspective on, on that, like how I keep that in alignment for myself. 
Well, I mean, each and every one of you, uh, I have so much respect for. And when you do push back or now, I don't always agree. And probably no, Kim, Kim is the one who is, I mean, we're in the most dynamic conversations about things that are newer to the business right. um, and, uh, and about which I might have the strongest opinions. Uh, so we're probably more in debate with each other. Um, but I think it works. It does. It does. And I, I think it's, we both have the same goal in mind and we're willing to listen to each other about it. Sometimes we change each other's minds. Sometimes we go back and revisit it, kind of an after, after action review and say, oh, maybe next time we should try it this way instead or right. what have you. But, but we're always open to it. We don't seem to get upset by the... Um, I, I don't. I hesitate to call them disagreements because they're not really disagreements. It's more like a brainstorming and just different perspectives. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think as a team, uh, on a whole, we're pretty good about that. Right. About sort of, well, you know, disagreeing on specific points maybe, or the you know direct roadmap to getting somewhere, but we keep the goal in mind and know how to hand off trust to one another. Absolutely. Ooh, that's good. That's a good framing. Hand off trust to one another. He's gonna steal. You can take that for free. That could be. That could be an article. Uh, uh, Oh, is that a blog you're gonna write? Wink, wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and it's and it's Kim and I have a running joke. I guess it's really my running joke. It's I guess this would be a a bat. It's I guess I do this a lot where you'll convince me of something and then I uh, will restate it, uh, pretending that I thought of it all by myself. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so uh, and and Kim and I would say are probably have the most um, debate, uh, and then we we often. Uh, it's, it's a, a Hegelian dialectic uh, where we have uh, thesis, uh, antithesis, and synthesis. Whereas if, if Cheryl or Liz say no, uh, then usually that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always respectful. And I think that's, uh, that's yeah. key. It's, there's always respect. And you can trust our nose. Yeah, they're, they're very, so, you know, uh, when to say no, uh, you're both good examples of people who have great track records of when you say no, you tend to be right. So you have a lot of uh, power to say no. Uh, as we are on the other side of at least the, the, the lockdown part of the pandemic, the, we're all vaccinated and we're going forward. So, uh, Cheryl, you've already said one thing you want to take forward into the new hybrid future uh, is a greater awareness of gratitude and kindness. Uh, how, about, how about you, Kim? What, what do you want to take forward? I want to take forward, and I, I mentioned it earlier, the, the personal connections, the importance of the personal connections, whether it's, it's with our team or whether it's with a client. I want to be able to keep in mind someone else's perspective. Yeah, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Liz, what do you want to take forward? I think for me, I want to take forward, because my role tends to be sort of isolated in, in this particular job. But I think through the pandemic, I learned how to kind of just rely on other people more, like see our work as a team a bit more clearly and how 
we can support one another and how I can ask for help a little bit more, uh, take opportunities to be open to learning things a little bit more. Liz Richards, Kim Mapp, Cheryl Wolanski, thank you for being guests on The Indispensables, the Indispensable Rainmaker Thinking Team, 27 years, the best team we've ever had. Thank you for being guests on The Indispensable and thank you for being the indispensable members of the Rainmaker Thinking Team. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, thank Bruce. You, Happy 50th episode! Yeah. In our next episode, I talk with Dr. Jay Morris, Vice President of Education at Yale New Haven Health System and Executive Director of the Institute for Excellence. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at goto underscore podcast. That's at goto underscore podcast. Learn more about GoToism in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, wherever books are sold. And you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com. Until next time, stay strong and stay indispensable.